Boston throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up three pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Free agency. We're back here on Coast to Coast, my buddy Ronan. I'm crazy. I'm off the deep end. I've had three days to simmer over this. I think you already know where we're going. And Ronan, what's up? Are you are you ready for this tirade? Oh, I'm pumped. I'm ready. I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit excited to see your excitement because it, it, it's been a it's been a big couple of days for the Chicago Bulls, and they they've made some uh, some big signings. Listen, man. I just got one thing to say. The Bulls are back. <laughs> We're back. Man, I, I want to talk about a lot of teams here. I want to give a lot of teams credit. There's a lot of moves that we have to discuss. But selfishly speaking, this is this is uh, partially my podcast. I'll let you talk about uh, your little homecoming there. But I got to talk about the Bulls right now, man. Oh, my goodness. DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, and I'll, I'll even I'll even throw Tony Bradley bones. I like that signing too. But man, the moves that the Bulls made, this is a big market team doing big market things. This is a front office that is doing things that the front office of past that Garpacks could have never imagined doing. And the way they went about doing it was just unbelievable. And as I'm sitting here, a couple of days later, I'm still shocked. I'm still floored at the way that we are able to get these players. And these are guys who had options. DeMar DeRozan had options. The Clippers were on their way to DeMar DeRozan's house when he said, hey, man, I'm sorry, but I'm going to the Bulls. Alex Caruso could have went back to the Lakers, but no, he he decided the Bulls. Lonzo Ball had his share of suitors. He wanted the Bulls. And this is a sign that things are changing in this city. Things are changing around the league and how we're perceived. And Zach Levine is at the head of that. And Arturis Karnaschovas, Mark Eversley, the way that they've led this team and the way they've done business, it's it's remarkable. It's remarkable. Yeah, and that's, that's the first point I want to come to. Do you think that these signings are in any way to try and cover a bit because they are not 100% sure whether or not they're going to be able to extend Levine? So I, I heard that. Um, so there, that's That's been a take that's been – when I heard that on the ringer, I like my jaw was on the floor because that that is just not what's happening at all. That's absolutely not what's happening at all because it's been so well documented how Mark Eversley and NAK they've been committed to Levine. They've said it as much and they've demonstrated that not only through what they've said in the media, but how they've operated. They've got they got Vucevic because they want to build around Levine. They got Lonzo Ball because they want to build around Levine. They got another veteran in DeMar DeRozan because they want to build around Zach Levine. 
none of this is to patch for the future. Absolutely not. We just traded. We we said, Levine, you're our guy. We don't need first round picks. We're throwing those out the window so that we can compete with you. And I think the thing is that in order to make these moves work, we had to stave off re-signing Levine to next year. And I think that the organization is so confident that we are going to have a successful year and that they did everything they could to do it, that they went out and they spent the money. It takes first round picks. It takes big contracts in order to make these things work. You have to do a little bit of an oversign for Lonzo, but let's remember that that contract at 105 million, that's only 70% of his max. Now, I think a lot of people are going to look at DeMar DeRozan and have some question marks, but I, I, I'm a firm believer that this is really going in the right direction. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's uh, I'll give I'll give you that now. That's all. That's all. That's the only negative piece I had to say. Cause it, honestly, I'm excited when I saw these moves, I was excited because the NBA needs the Chicago bulls to be a competitive franchise. It's better when the Chicago bulls are a team that are, are going to be in conversations when it comes to comes to the postseason. And I think the moves that they've made, that definitely puts them right up there in the conversation. Don't get me wrong. Other teams in the East have also made some clever moves, but the Bulls saw an opportunity to take a big jump to, uh, to bridge the gap from where they finished last year to the, the playoff positions. And I think they've done about as good a job as they could in, in bridging that gap. Just yeah. a question I- now. It, Go ahead. Uh, Lonzo, Demar, and Levine—they uh, all—they're all starting together with with Patrick Williams and Vucevic. Is that that? That's Absolutely. That's and he, here, and let me paint this picture: the way that the Bulls would would compete last year is you give the ball to Zach Levine, and you let him work. You let him work in isolation. You let him work in pick and roll. And now that you got Vucevic, you have that a killer pick and pop combination. You have a killer inside out, and then you add in Lonzo Ball. Now, you, you picture the amount of mismatches that Levine's going to exploit, the amount of times he's going to be breaking down the defense, and what Lonzo is elite at is being a secondary playmaker. And I, I think this has become, as, as people have looked at his tape more and really evaluated him as a player, we realize that his best talent is being on the wing and being a mobile shooter and being able to facilitate the flow of the offense and be and the way that he's going to complement how Levine likes to get out on the break, how Patrick Williams can get out on the break, how DeRozan can get up and down the floor is fantastic. And then when you think about DeRozan, I mean, you just paid for a guy who is top 10 in getting to the line. He's top 10 in isolation scoring. And he had his best year facilitating. If you don't think that you're going to see a lot of sets where DeRozan is playing the point, and then you got Lonzo and Levine in the corners spreading out the floor – I mean, there's so many ways that this offense can now operate with Levine on ball, DeRozan on ball, Levine off the ball, and Lonzo off. The, like, there's so many weapons now. And that's the thing you have. You gave Billy Donovan versatile weapons with length, with speed. And then you have Vucevic, who brings in the perfect half-court offense. And same thing with DeRozan. This team can play in so many different ways that I think it's not crazy to say they're going to be a top-five offense next year if things click. Yeah, I don't think it's a it's a crazy call to make, but one all I'll say is at the very least this is a test for Levine to see if Absolutely. he can lead a team capable, no doubt capable of being a top five, top six team at least in the Eastern Conference. Is he capable of being that league guy? And you almost have a one year tester just to 
to be a hundred percent sure. They, they, I think they, they believe it themselves, but now they, they really get the chance to see it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think they went after Lonzo and signed him to a long-term contract because, you know, no, nobody. I think a lot of people had the misconception that Lonzo is going to be this traditional point guard. He's going to come in and he's going to help set up the offense and really get the Bulls into a flow or get any team that that wanted him into the flow of the offense, but they got a guy who's going to be a great sidekick to Levine, an elite sidekick to Levine. And, you know, DeRozan, I think was just, um, I mean, that, that's, that's what you, you try to do in the, in the playoffs. I mean, you get a guy like DeRozan who can mimic Levine's contribution on the offensive end. You need um, duplication on the offensive side of things. Look at how the Nets were so successful with the amount of playmaking and shooting that they had. So anybody who's saying like, oh, you already have Levine, why do you need DeRozan? Well, I mean, you're, you're crazy if you're saying that and you didn't just watch a full season where the Nets just went to town with Kyrie on ball, Harden on ball, Kevin Rant on ball. When you inject an offense with more playmakers, with more shot creation, it's never a bad thing, especially with how unselfish uh, a lot of these players are. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, as much as you... You sometimes like to make the comment, any examples that you see, having too much offense is, is always a good thing. Absolutely. Now, I want to I want to jump over to the Knicks a little bit, because recent news is that Kemba is making his homecoming and he's finally made it back to the Garden. How do you feel about this move? Because I, I'm a little complete. I love the story and I hate to jump right into the X's and O's because like the most exciting part about this is. You know, the last vestige of, of New York Hoopers is uh, arriving in a Knicks uniform that he belonged in a long time ago. But now with questions of his health, you know, the fact that he got that he did a buyout so early for a team in OKC that they never let people buy out. They never lose value in anything. So kind of speaks to maybe where he's at physically. Where do you think he's going to bring the Knicks at this point? I want to just be positive and say he's going to come in healthy and he's, it's going to turn out to be a great move because if Kemba Walker comes as a healthy player, he's going to be a solid 20 and six player for us. He's going to be able to create his own shot. He's going to give us something at the point guard position that we haven't had since, uh, I don't even know when <laughs> last time. <laughs> I can't, um, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. It's, it's, it's been that long. It's just, I, I have the worry after everything that happened with Boston last year that the knees are starting to give up on him. I just hope for his sake and for the sake of the Knicks that he's coming in healthy and he is going to be able to deliver what he was doing in, in Charlotte. We, we need, the, we need the, the, the Charlotte Hornets, Kemba Walker. And if we get that, this is going to turn into a, a, a really great move from the, from the New York Knicks. And I, and I think this is a useful exercise here. In the Eastern Conference, where does he rank amongst starting point guards? When healthy? So, let, let, let's say, let, let's give him 70, 75% of, of what he is. We'll, we'll, we'll be generous and say that. That's a good, that's a good medium. We're giving him 75%. Ah. Let, let's, if, if, we're, if we're saying, is, are we considering him better than Malcolm Brogdon right now? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, d- d- depending on uh on health, I'll give him that. Sure. Lamelo Ball. Yeah. Wait. I, oh, I'll at try this very moment, Lamelo Ball. At this very moment, Lamelo yeah. Lamelo Ball. Would you ask me? Ask me two months into the season, and it could be a, 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 a Ball. very hard no. <laughs> All right, this exercise is failing. All right, well, it's been a Trey Young. Trey Young. No. Thank you. Thank you. Kyle Lowry. No. Spencer Dinwiddie. That's a no. I was telling you, 21. We were talking went healthy. So 21 points a game, seven assists. That, that's not something he's, you, if, if you think he's going to be a, I'm saying that when healthy, Kemba's going to give you 17 and 17 and six. If right we're now, getting, if we're getting at this point right, in his career, we're getting the right, uh, the right production levels out of some of our other players. That's still that's still a huge upgrade on Alfred Payton, anyway. Yeah, but so what about are we saying he's better than Colin Sexton? No, I, 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 if I had a choice, if it was either sign Kemba as a as a free agent or of course, yeah, or get Sexton, <laughs> I think I'm going. I think I'm going and taking Colin Sexton. Yeah, but you you see where I'm going. I I think it's the name. The name carries so much weight, and it carries so much nostalgia. I mean, I mean nostalgia in the way of what was Kemba's career like three years ago. But when you look around, it's it's kind of crazy to think about you know where Kemba Walker is quickly gone, and maybe maybe it's not a crazy deal for the Knicks to bring him back and for for that to be a comeback story, but um, a lot of pressure for him to succeed. For the Knicks, who are I think going to be struggling to get in the playoffs again, a lot of things went right for them last year, and you hope you hope those same things go right for them again, in terms of health and in terms of uh, the amount of players that made a jump in one year. I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what way the team comes back. Obviously, it was a it was a huge year, and last year it was such a big difference from from the previous year under. Uh, the first year under Tom Thibodeau, it was unbelievable. Is is are they going to be able to to make another jump or even just sustain what they did last year? I would still say there's a very strong possibility that they're still going to be able to be competing for the fourth or fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. Big thing, Evan Fournier, if he can come in as the player that he's mm. capable of being, that could prove to be a great replacement for for Reggie Bullock. So that that was I think that was a smart move from from the Knicks. Then you look at the re-signing of Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose and Kemba as as your two two guards. That's a huge upgrade for for the Knicks, and it's a, it means that we're not going to be having Derrick Rose out in his feet, having to play so many minutes like we saw in, in the playoffs. And then Julius Randle's after signing a new deal, and he showed his commitment to the Knicks by signing the deal this year making it not a max contract. So giving the Knicks more flexibility yeah. in the future. That was when I saw that number, I was like, that's not, that's not what I expected him to get paid. Mm. It's not for, for him to have had the year that he had and to really be the galvanizing factor for the Knicks being even close to relevant. That's, that's a bargain. That, that's, that's a Zach Levine type deal. Yeah, it's a, it's a commitment. It's a commitment to the franchise and wanting wanting to bring this this New York team back, back to uh, competing in the Eastern Conference. That's that's what that's what I see when I saw when I saw that deal, and if he's capable of making another another step up uh, 
or even just sustaining what he did last year, it's good. It, it's going to be another good year for for Julius Randle and the New York Knicks. Well, a lot of feel a lot of good feelings there in New York, um, particularly for the Nets. I want to talk about some underrated deals, maybe some things that went under the radar. Um, but the Nets managing to steal Patty Mills, a guy that the Lakers really wanted. Huge. Now, Patty Mills, you know, we, we, we think of him as this three-point shooting veteran from the Spurs. And, you know, if, if you really pay attention, I, I think you see this as a huge move on the margins for them to land Patty Mills for another chance at contention in Brooklyn. It was a, this was, I was shocked when I saw this. It was such a smart move. It was, it's, it's just the Nets just showing again this, this shrewd nature of this front offense. The development that's gone on there since, uh, since the old Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce uh, fiasco. Oh my God. <laughs> what they're doing now is just, it's unbelievable. And the way they're building around this, this, trio of, of superstars has just been really impressive and, and bringing in a guy like Paddy Mills him having him coming off the bench like that is that is just massive for this Brooklyn team and he is going to provide a big influence coming off the bench especially during the regular season probably won't see as much of him in the playoffs but having a guy like him come playoff time he's going to score you some crucial buckets and that's he's exactly the type of guy that uh, a championship contender needs yeah, I mean, you're replacing Chris Chioza minutes, Mike James minutes, both those players who had excellent moments throughout the year last year for Brooklyn. But you're replacing them with Patty Mills, a guy who's tried and tested in the deep playoff runs that the Spurs have been through over the past decade. And then for them to keep Bruce Brown as well, I thought that was a huge deal, keeping him on a one-year deal after I honestly thought that he might gauge some interest across the league. Um, and Blake Griffin too, you know, he surprised me. He surprised me throughout the season, keeping him there. I think the Nets have done well to keep their roster intact, um, albeit without getting Spencer Dinwiddie back. But um, among other underrated deals, do you see anything else across the league that surprised you that you know maybe didn't get as much noise but was a great deal on the margins? Otto Porter Jr. and oh yeah, I had that right there at the top of my yeah. list. That was that was a big one. That was a that was a real smart movie. That's like. Maybe not, maybe not quite at the level of the Splash Bros, but it's, it's not far off adding a third Splash Brother right there. Otto Porter Jr. is one of those players that, you know, guys get hurt year after year or they, or they are inconsistent and you start to forget where they were when they, get the con- when they got those contracts. When he was in Washington playing alongside Bradley Beal and John Wall, he got that contract for the ascending talent that he was becoming. I mean, he's a wing that can play on the ball playing pick and roll he's a wing that can facilitate he can shoot the three at an elite level he can shoot a good mid-range and he's a smart basketball player he knows how to fit into this Warriors team so I still have the Warriors listed as a team that I I think was pretty underwhelming if, if not considered a loser so far based on what they needed but for them to snag Otto Porter Jr. when that was rumored to potentially be a player that the Lakers seek after or the Clippers, or the Nets, they stay right there in contention with adding a key piece like him, especially when you consider the likelihood they're going to lose Oubre. They probably want to get off of Andrew Wiggins as soon as possible. But that's that was a huge signing for me as well. Yeah, 100%. And given what they wanted to do, this is it. It's still a very, 
in terms of consolation prizes, this is a pretty good, pretty damn good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's not going to be long until until you see the impact that he makes for that team. Um, staying in the West, Jeff Green to the Nuggets. That got zero headlines, obviously. Yeah. But we we all saw how valuable Jeff Green was to the Nets. I mean, his defensive impact there was probably the best that he's had in his career. I mean, he played center, he played power forward, he guarded whoever you needed him to, and he spaced the floor. And at times, I mean, he was relied on to score. So the Nuggets absolutely won that deal, seemingly trying to accumulate as many greens as they can on their roster. Just to see him potentially there with Michael Porter Jr. And then you get the amount of playmaking you get from Jokic all the time. I mean, that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough wing tandem to to defend when it comes to three-point shooting, when it comes to defensive presence and length. That was a really good deal on the margins for me. Yeah, it was a very clever move. And it, it was just Denver knowing the limitations, knowing what they they were never gonna be able to add any any of the big uh the big free agents uh, this this offseason, but they know they have a talented team. Obviously, hopefully, Jamal Murray's coming back healthy uh, ne- next year, and then adding a guy like Green that, that to this this lineup is just just very clever business. Really, really good work from their front office. I, I wonder where they're going to be next year. This is the the tough mental exercise of of canvassing the league even before the free agency has ended. But you start to see how a lot of these moves are impacting the West. And it, it's going to be really hard next year. I mean, with the Warriors hopefully being healthy. And then we got to talk about in a moment here, the Lakers, what they've done to retool their roster. Um, the Jazz continuing to, to commit to Mike Conley and, you know, Son Whiteside. I actually think that's that's a really, really interesting signing for them. The, the amount of rim protection that he brings and how he could continue to set that tone that Rudy Gobert has. And then Rudy Gay going to the Utah Jazz. Another underrated move that has not been talked about. I mean, this guy is a huge upgrade to losing the Yang. Um, and then Eric Pascal. I, I don't know how that happened as well. I mean, that that guy does not get enough credit for the all-around player he was for the Warriors. And for the Jazz to just scoop him up for basically nothing, it's insane. Yeah, what was it? Was this, it was a second round pick? Yeah, yeah, That's nothing. Yeah, great peanuts. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think he's good buddies with uh, with Donovan Mitchell, so I'm sure he was happy to see that move that move go down as well. Yeah, so we got we got to get to it, man. The Lakers, I've, I've maligned the Lakers for the fit of Westbrook. I maligned them for their lack of biz- business savvy, and. Seemingly overnight, LeBron has an entirely new contending squad here. It, it's it's tough where to start with this. Obviously, everyone's getting on them for their age, but I can't wrap my head around just how how they've managed to get honestly a lot of useful players with no room at all. It's insane. Yeah, it's some pretty shrewd business. Let's just 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 lay it all out here. Dwight Howard. Carmelo Anthony, Kendrick Nunn, Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, Malik Monk, and Trevor Ariza. They're all headed to the Lakers on minimum deals, one-year deals. And for what they were able to work with in terms of money and all that sort of stuff, this is 
this has been pretty impressive work out of their out of their front office. You got. You I don't know. All right. Uh, let me say this though. Let me say this. I mean, these guys are not going there unless it's LeBron. That's the obvious part. Oh, of course. And uh, Nana, I don't think that any of this, any of this can be attributed to the business side of things. And I, I'm I'm going to give full credit to the fact that it's LeBron freaking James, and everybody will take a pay cut for that. I mean, the fact that Kendrick Nunn went there on a nothing deal he could have made five times that in the open market same thing and a story that i saw come out about a second round pick joel ai um or, or undrafted sorry undrafted player who went on a two two-way deal he specifically wanted to go to the lakers so he did not work out with teams he did not communicate i mean just for a young guy like that to want to do everything he can to to get to the lakers and how about them taking a swing on Malik Monk? I'm, that, that's one thing that intrigues me. I'm not sure if there's anything there left. A lot of people seem to be fully done on his potential ever since being drafted seventh out of Duke. But I'm curious to see what playing alongside LeBron, playing alongside Westbrook, and being prioritized as a shooter, what that might do for him. That yeah. is interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that. that that's, that's a big one. I think that was... That was kind of one of the ones that kind of went uh, unnoticed, really, the, the the monk deal, but it, it's 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 an intriguing one, and, and it'll be it'll be good to see him. Can he contribute to to a team that are obviously looking to contend at at the very top? I mean, look at the guys they got in. The, a big thing that they had to do was bring in shooting. Ellington, Mello, Bazemore, Monk, and Nunn all shot above thirty eight percent from three last year. That was a that's that's a big deal for them. They needed to add the shooting around or when you have a trio of AD LeBron and, and Westbrook, you had to add three point shooting around that. the The difficult thing now is going to be the defense. Frank Vogel is a defensive minded coach, and they're going to need AD to be healthy all year and to be be at playing defensive player of the year quality if they're going to be anywhere close to the level of defense that they've produced over the last two years. Yeah. I, I don't think that that, that can't be stated enough that all of this completely hinges on AD's health. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely hinges on AD's health and defensively your, your backcourt, that's going to be a mess. I mean, relying on Westbrook, Nunn, Ellington, Malik Monk, I mean, any opposing guards are going to have a field day. And that, that's going to be the tough part when you start to rely on, you know, how much, how much energy does Anthony Davis have to be a help defender? Can Marcus Gasol, can, can he still defend to the level that he has before? I mean, Dwight Howard, is st- I, you still see how active he is, but he hasn't been playing more than, than what, 15 minutes a game? I mean, he can, get, he can give you a solid – like 25 minutes here and there, but he has not been a, a rel- constantly relied upon contributor. But they're going to have a tough time being what they were last year, which was an impressive top five defense the entire season, at times the best defense in basketball. And ironically, you, you lose a lot of that without Alex Caruso, a guy who they definitely could have afforded to bring back. And that's one thing that blows my mind. I mean, he was such a huge addition for the Bulls to have as an on-ball defender and one of the best on the market, mind you. And it still, it still intrigues me that they weren't able 
to make a deal happen. It just seemed like they weren't interested. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of look at it in a way, maybe this was Caruso trying to test himself because you know, the way he's seen as that kind of cult hero at, at, uh, at the Lakers and people are kind of just like, uh, he, he got here now. And just because we've loved him so much, that's why he's, uh, he's got to any sort of standing But this guy. He, he's a talented guy. And maybe he was just saying, all right, I've done it here. I've made my name. Now can I go somewhere else and still be a, a solid contributor on, on, on another team that isn't led by LeBron James and Anthony Davis? And I, I believe that he he absolutely can. I think he's going to be a great addition to the Chicago Bulls. And if the Lakers were lowballing him or not really interested in bringing him back, they, they've made a mistake there, no doubt about it. Let, let's, let's think about this. And this is the bottom line question. Are the Lakers better by the start of the season right now than they were at the start of the season last year? No. 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 Why not? I just think the the, the support- you got Russell Westbrook instead of Dennis Schroeder. I mean that that that's I know that's that that is kind of that bottom is, line for me. That is big. That 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 element is big, but at the same time, I'm thinking the the rest of the supporting cast. I think how much change it has come into effect on this team. How different their their defensive matchups and the defensive lineup is going to be for for this team. I think puts them probably level, maybe level like the same level they were they were last year. If they can really figure it out on offense. Maybe then you you look at it and say that they're in in a better position. It's it's hard to say when when we, they've just signed Russell Westbrook instead of yeah. better. But the defensive element, I think it's going to be it's going to be a big big problem for me. Yeah, I absolutely agree with the defense. Don't don't get me wrong with that. I I think they're going to go from a a top five defense to honestly middling. I I don't think they're going to be better than if they're if they're within the top fifteen. If they're ten to fifteen. I think that's a win. That that's a huge win for this team because that just given the the known defensive struggles of a lot of these guys they've signed. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that you've been waiting to see that LeBron has exp- wanted to explore in his time in LA is being put next to another true playmaker. Dennis Schroeder wasn't exactly that. You know, he he wasn't he wasn't a give the ball to that guy and have him figure things out for the offense. Russell Westbrook is that and more. He's that to a superstar level. Now, anybody who's who's thinking Westbrook is old and washed out, I mean, he is still arguably the league's best playmaker. He's, he's still always near the top in assists every single year, assist percentage. And in terms of, of his abilities outside of that, that that's what concerned me. It concerned me that he his ability to shoot has still not come around and they fixed that. I mean, look at all the shoot. You said it, all the shooting that they put around him. So I think they could, if they can figure out how to stagger LeBron and Westbrook and allow LeBron to do a lot of things off ball with Westbrook on the floor, if, if they can channel what LeBron is an off ball player, when Westbrook is on the floor, I mean, that that's going to be, that's going to be some primetime television. I, I don't think you're going to see a, a scarier pick and roll than Westbrook and AD and Westbrook and LeBron. Like yeah, that, no, that's no, going to no. be terrifying. There's going to, I think uh, with all the moves that have happened so far, there's, there's a lot of, 
a lot of teams where if it, if all things come together, there could be a, a serious amount of fun offenses to, to be looking at this year. One final thing, we talked Dennis Schroeder. Is he about <laughs> to do himself in by, by thinking too much of himself? Dude, the, the, the Shanghai Sharks can definitely throw him 80 mil, I think. Because <laughs> what, what did the, the Lakers made him an offer and he turned 80. it down? 80. It, was, it, was, it was 84, 4 of 84. He wanted, he wanted more than that. No, he, the market's is, gone. Oh, he is, he is, he is not doing well here. He, I don't know if this was him or his agent, but uh, I think someone, someone shit the bed. So he, I, I can't, I can't believe that he, he turned it, he turned it down for a lot of reasons. Like one, I mean, he's not young enough where people are going to bet on his age. And two, he just hasn't proved it at the highest level. Like that, I feel like that's money that you are giving to guys who have proven it in the playoffs. And he just, that's just something he has not done yet. So it's just a massive risk for him. And, you know, you, you do that in that stage of your career, you want to get your bag while you can. But I mean, Dennis Schroeder is looking around now and I have no idea where he's going to go. There's absolutely no teams linked to him right now. There's no rumors about where he might go. And I, I have not the slightest clue what team would even be willing to sign him. Not Unless not. it's like he, he might, I would not be shocked Ronan, if he, if he gets, if he gets a minimum deal, a one-year minimum deal, I would not be shocked if say the, the Mavericks, the, the Dallas Mavericks would definitely throw in a bid. If he still is not signed over the next two, three days, minimum deal, and he gets approved it on a team that is trying to contend that that could happen for him. It's likely what he's going to have to accept. I mean, I guess, it's just shown that he, like you, you said, he, he hasn't proven it at the highest level yet. He, he didn't get to do it really last year, despite playing, uh, playing with the Lakers. So maybe he's got to go another year and try and prove himself, and try and show he's going to be he can be a key member on a competitive team if he want if he wants to get paid. But this very moment, the most worrying part is the fact that there is no rumors. That's 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 the part that I yeah. think uh, should be really worrying uh, Dennis Schroeder and uh, and uh, and his agent. I mean, more likely, I mean, he probably finds a way to, to get on somebody's uh, mid-level exception. Um, I'm not sure who has them left. Um, but, I mean, speaking of mid-level exceptions and signing trades and everything, we, we thought it might be an interesting free agency, and it has been that and more. I, I just can't wrap my head around the amount of just financial acrobatics that have taken place to make some of these deals work. Like the six-team trade to get Spencer Dinwiddie to the Wizards and Westbrook to the Lakers and other stuff to the Pacers and other stuff to the net. It's, it's so mind boggling, but it's, it's insane the amount of things that teams are doing to make this work. And I think it makes you realize that, you know, there's a huge difference between good front offices, bad front offices and the best front offices. And I wonder if that's something that's reflected in some of these teams like, like Portland. I mean, what's Portland done? You you got a you got a star in Damian Lillard who's clearly teetering on his lifelong uh, vow to stay loyal to you guys, and you bring in Tony Snell. That was the move. That was the help that you were going to bring Dame. <laughs> that that if, if we're going to start talking about losers in the free in in this free agency period so far, that they are by far 
the biggest losers. So they they bring back Norman Powell on a four-year $90 million deal. It's a great player, but $90 million. And then you bring in Tony Snow. I mean, what the hell are they doing? It, I don't know. Have, have they got, <laughs> yes, have, who knows? Have, have they got bigger <laughs> plans for next year? I, I don't really know. They, they've really... And it's not. It doesn't even seem like they've attempted to make any sort of deals happen. I have to hope that they have some sort of plan. But yeah, if they're trying to convince Dame that this is the place for him, then they're there. You get to doing, play with Cody. You get to play with Cody Zeller next year. They there are doing go. a damn terrible job of it. <laughs> I mean, other than uh, other than the the return there that you talked about. Uh, the only other thing I saw about them is they they gave up on, on Zach Collins, which is uh, which is no surprise. Those are that's like the main thing that I, I saw coming out of out of Portland, and it's 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 been a been a bad free agency. A bad it's been a bad basically couple of months for for the Portland as a franchise. Yeah, they're they're getting dangerously close, to having to blow things up, and I mean there are other there are other teams too that have had really questionable uh moves over this past week this past month and i can't help but continue to wonder how zion williamson thinks about this franchise he clearly wanted lonzo to stay and the pelicans let him leave and replace him with Devontae graham who in his own right you know was was in the running for most improved uh that the last season he had a career year three-point shooting that season before i think this year is just a little bit of an off year with, with the amount of uh, production you got out of Terry Rozier and, and how the game definitely changed and how they played there. But that was their big signing. They missed out on Kyle Lowry, so they got Devontae Graham. And for them not to do anything else here feels like a weak showing for a team that's scared to lose their generational superstar. Absolutely, and it's, it's good news for me because I know Zion's gonna. <laughs> I know he wants to come to the Knicks, so uh, they're doing the right. They're doing the right things for me, but I think they handled the whole situation with Lonzo terribly. I think they they made it very clear that they were not gonna try too hard to keep Lonzo in New Orleans, <laughs> and they wanted yeah. Kyle Lowry to be their new point guard. They made that very very obvious. And if you're Lonzo Ball, you're hearing that you're saying okay, screw you guys. There's going to be plenty of teams that are going to want me and I'll move on and I'll show you what you're going to be wishing that you had here in New Orleans over the next four or five years. Yeah, man, the, the fact that we got Lonzo Ball for Thomas Sadoransky and some spare change just blows my mind. You know, no, no, no disrespect to, get, uh, to Garrett Temple. Yeah, that guy is an awesome vet. He'll do great. He'll do great things to to be a vet to, to Zion, but that's not that's not the level of a player of of Lonzo Ball, who has still he still has untapped potential. I think, and I think a lot of teams that the Bulls believed it. That's why they gave him that contract. And I, and I think the Pelicans and maybe some of their fan base too. It seems has been soured on the idea that he does have that potential, and which is understandable. But you didn't get Lowry, you got Graham. You, you didn't get a veteran that helped you go anywhere. You didn't get a, a similar young player, maybe like a Lowry Markinen, who maybe you can bet on. You got Thomas Sadoransky, Garrett Temple, a second-round pick, and you ended up with Devontae Graham. 
uh, that that was not the return that I expected at all. When they were asking for first round picks from what three months ago, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. As much as I like Devonte Graham, I, I think he he'll be a solid player there, but he's not going to be the guy to to make difference to them uh, uh, making the playoffs or any, anything anything like that. It's it's. I think it's just New Orleans just showing how little pull they have around this league, how little players want to come and play there. I mean, is, is Zion just going to end up in the same situation that AD did? Sucks. Yeah. They, they, they got him a couple of running mates, but it was nothing, nothing, it was nothing consistent. And then as soon as he could, he was like, yeah, I want out of here. <laughs> it sucks. It, it's, it's the unfortunate reality for small market teams who don't operate with a sense of ingenuity and you know being being on the side of a team when, when Garpax was in Chicago being on the side of a team that constantly did the traditional thing worked on quote-unquote flexibility and not making aggressive moves you know it's it's tough for teams like that to keep their players and stay competitive and meanwhile you look at a team like the Miami Heat who has just managed to retool their team and, and snag stars when they needed them. And I, I gotta, I gotta put it to you this way. What's the over under right now on the amount of games that the heat are going to hold their opponent to under 50, under uh, 90 points rather. This, this could, this is the best defensive team in basketball right now, easily. Oh, it's, I, I love how they've, they've built this team now. Uh, the addition of obviously of Larry, they getting in PJ Tucker, Getting Victor Oladipo back on the one-year minimum, it's the defensive potential is huge. The winning mentality and just the grit and graft. This is a team just gonna be so hard to beat. The the drive, they're all similar sort of players. They're hard nosed. They fight for every ball, and they're mega talented. This is gonna be an unbelievable team. A really fun team to watch this year. Even if it's not the most amazing offense, they're going to win a lot of games just from stopping their opponents. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a way around it, though. I, I know we know for a fact they're going to be a top three defense in the league. I mean, just, just trying to score against Lowry and Oladipo, who they got on the minimum, which which is so surprising to me. I, I thought at least he, he would he would set off to, to make a bigger contract than that, but for them to have Lowry, Oladipo, Butler, PJ Tucker, and Bam, that is a little clunky when you think about it offensively, but defensively, I mean that it doesn't get better than that. When you when you talk about the who has a chance to stop the best in in the league, the this is the team you you put that lineup out there. You have a chance to win every single game. But with bringing back Duncan Robinson, you have the shooting. And then Gabe, Gabe Vincent and, and Max Struess, I, I know these are our young guys. Maybe they're not ready to, to contribute yet to a championship-type team, but Max Struess has demonstrated he's, he can be an elite three-point shooter. You hope that Jimmy Butler doesn't have another year like last year from three. Mm-hmm. I, I, would, I wouldn't imagine he repeats that. But all they got to do is find a way to space the floor. Bam's got to do a little bit better um, with his shot. And this team has a chance to, I think they're, they're a lot better than they were last year. The Bucks, I think they've, they've lost a little bit of momentum this offseason. They haven't done much to, to keep their players, P.J. Tucker being one of them. And 
you know, I'm, I'm not really sure where I put this team just yet, but they're definitely not missing the playoffs. They're definitely not missing the top, the top six. No, let's, let's be real. At this very moment before the season gets underway, you know for a fact the Miami Heat are just a team that no one is going to want to face any night, and especially coming to the postseason. The Heat are just going to be a team. They're just going to be a real pain in the ass to play against. That's the, that's the absolute minimum that this, this Miami team is going to be this year. And you, I love the idea, I think, of, of Hero coming off the bench behind behind Larry as well. I think that's going to that could be a, a good way for him to kind of get his get his career in Miami back on track. I think had a, he had a he had a good year when uh, during the bubble and everything and then last year was a little bit of a struggle and I think playing with a guy like Carl Larry coming off the bench behind him learning from him. I think this is a, it's a great way for him to get to get his career in Miami back on track. Yeah. And, you know, while we're running out of time here, you know, we, we get there's so many moves that we haven't covered yet. We're obviously going to have to have another episode to, to cover the rest of this. But um, I do want to talk about the Hawks finally coming to a contract extension with John Collins on a really good deal. It was a five over 125. And this is a deal that's been that's been rumored to have stopped in early talks last season but they didn't even want to pay him around 20 million, but he wanted the max. So for him to, to sign for not the max, it's a little interesting. I, I thought that he could have gauged interest from across the league for, for way more than that. And I wonder if this is more of a sign that he wants to compete with this team and he would value a long-term contract doing that with alongside Trey Young. And maybe this clears some of the smoke in the air about Trey Young's relationship with, with Collins. But it clearly shows that, you know, he was willing to take a little bit less in order to be with this team because there was that there was money to be had out there if he wanted to push his way out. Yeah, I think that was the whole talk, basically, for for a lot of last season that about Collins, he was going to test test the waters and he was ultimately going to try and and get a a better deal out out of another team in the league. You want to say that the whole the run to the the conference finals last year, that's what convinced them this is the best place for me to be. And then on the other side of it, you're kind of like, or maybe did he kind of have a look around and see there wasn't as much interest as as he thought there was going to be. Probably one or the other. I'm going to go with the positive side of it. I think after the great run they had in the playoffs last year, the way Trey Young played, and the way the team just played as a whole with the new coach coming in. He's just looking at it and saying, this is the best place for me. This is where I'm going to thrive, and this is where I'm going to be able to compete for for a long time. And, and I think that, that it was it was the right move for Collins to stay, to stay with Atlanta. Yeah, I don't – even if he was going to make that money elsewhere, it would have had to come with a deal. And you'd imagine that anybody who's able to field the amount – of assets in terms of picks um, and salary to match that, it's probably not going to be at the same level of Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta is going to be right back in the thick of it next year and trying to get back to the, to hopefully they, they want to get to the Eastern conference finals. I mean, they, they're knocking, they're knocking on the crazy prospect of, of potentially being in the, in the finals and the run that they made last year. And, I think Colin realized that and the NBA is going to realize that, that Atlanta is going to be that team every single year. And 
I, it still leads me to question some of these teams that are standing pat. The, the Celtics seems like they're just saving their, their money, hoping for next year, hoping to snag Beal. But the best that they could do in this offseason, it looks like, is Al Horford and Josh Richardson. And in Brad Stevens, what? And Ennis Cantor. Ennis Cantor. Hey, that, that's that's a, that's a return everyone's waiting for. But it seems so underwhelming for me for a team that was hoping for a fresh change once they got Brad Stevens in the front office. And I'm curious, you know, how much he is in over his head potentially. Mm. This yeah, is his could, first time. Yeah, there could be an element of that. Yeah, it, it's – with the Celtics, you kind of always feel like you want to. I always feel like I just believe that they are they're in control of whatever situation. But I also think everything that happened last year, I thought they would be a bit more aggressive and trying to make a bigger move. It kind of just seems the main thing they're doing is sort of solidifying the lineup, but mainly just relying on Tatum and Brown to have big years again next year and and just carry the team. I mean, being content here feels like. It feels like small market moves. Mm. Getting back old Al Horford, old reliable, and jo- Josh Richardson. That that's a move that you know that that jars me in a way because when we profiled him last year, I definitely saw the hope. I, I saw that you know that this is where he can thrive and, and regain that that secondary playmaking and and elite on ball defense that he had in Miami. And alongside arguably the best, I mean, I'll, I'll say the best playmaker in basketball last year, Luka Doncic, he didn't do that. So how is he going to do that in, in a Celtics uniform? How's, how's Josh Richardson going to make a meaningful impact beyond what he was able to do alongside Luka freaking Doncic last year? I, I, I don't see how that translates. And I am still confused that you had Gordon Hayward's trade exception and you ended up with Josh Richardson. That that's what you have to show for it at the end. And, I, and I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting who they oh, Evan Fournier. So the Evan Fournier is gone now. So in, instead, instead of Gordon Hayward, use that trade exception to get Evan Fournier who's gone and now testing it out with Josh Richardson. And for me, it's just unacceptable. With the amount of assets they've had over the years, it's it's awesome that they now have these two uh, two wings that they can invest in over the long long term. But the clock will start ticking, mm-hmm. and, it, and if it has, if it hasn't already, and they're gonna need to do a lot more to figure out how to make this team better. And it just can't, it can't all just be okay. We'll, we'll wait for, we'll wait for Bradley Beal. We'll wait for that. Okay, we won't do it. We'll do it next year. Like the, there has to be something done now in order to make this team better. When they couldn't even make it out of the first round. I mean, albeit against the Nets, but they shouldn't have been seated that low. They shouldn't have been fighting for their lives to get into the playoffs to begin with. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, although Tatum is still a young player in this league, he is quickly becoming a, a superstar in this league, and and it's about time that he starts kind of showing a bit of his muscle and 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 getting in the yeah. face of, of the of the front office and saying you got to make moves. You want I'll, I'll be your leader, but I'm gonna need better pieces around me to turn this Celtics franchise back into a winner. Yeah, but I think that's all we have time for today. We've cover the best offseason I can remember ever the Bulls that, that's the most important thing to, to, to celebrate to celebrate that man I, I mean I'm remembering the lineups 
of not just two and a half years ago. And, and it, it just breaks my heart to even think about the, the type of basketball I've dealt with and seeing, just I, I just, I just got to end. Come on, man, forget about it. It's, it's be excited for the future now. <laughs> and I, and I just got to end with this one, one rumor. Um, Charlotte Hornets are, are apparently emerging as a potential sign and trade partner for Lowry Markkinen. The guy who clearly, this is just not the fit for him anymore in Chicago. He's clearly got talent. Who knows if his star talent's still there. If we can squeeze a PJ Washington out of that, man, I'm gonna be, I'm, I'm gonna ascend to another higher level <laughs> of existence. I, I don't know if I can even survive that. Hey man, I, I'm loving seeing this excitement in you, and I, I hope they get they can work a deal like that just to just to get you right up on that high horse. Yeah, and and what one last thing are we are we gonna give any any new updates on our Ben Simmons predictions now that he's apparently not even speaking with the 76ers organization? Apparently he's cut off all communication. Leaving it all to the agent. Apparently, I just don't see where how it can work. I think he's saying he's open to going to Golden State. But who the hell? How the hell are Golden State gonna gonna work a deal? I think. Yeah, I don't see that. Yeah. Philly are just asking for too much, unfortunately, and and they I think they're gonna just have to to deal with bringing bringing Simmons back. It, it's it seems like a tainted relationship at this stage, but I don't see where they're gonna work a deal. Get asking for what they're asking for at this moment. I, I believe it's gonna come from the Timberwolves if if it comes. It's going to come from the Timberwolves. I, I believe that they're biding their time for that. They haven't made a single signing. There hasn't been a single rumor. And you know how badly they need that. That's a position of need for them. And mm-hmm. how badly they need another true star to play along Cat. I That's that's my wild card prediction there. And we'll, we'll end it at that. I think P.J. Washington to the Bulls. Ben Simmons to the Timberwolves. I'm gonna to go to bed, wake up. Hopefully, it's all true. Are they trading? Are they trading Ant in that situation? No. 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 No, 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 no. no okay. way. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe. No. No way. They'd, they'd give up D'Lo, and they'd probably have to give up on uh, on McDaniel's. They'd have to give up probably future picks. Definitely future picks. And I think they'd be willing to do it at this point. Hey, if that's a trio that could work, uh, Simmons, Ant, and uh, and Cat. I, I want to see Cat playing on a competitor. If Simmons can go there and make them that, let's see a deal like that happen. Absolutely. All right, my friend. We'll be back to be talking about the rest of free agency, wrap it up with whatever crazy moves are, are on the horizon. Until then, stay posted. Take care. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. 
Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment. <laughs>